Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, what will come from Justin Trudeau's pledges and calls for action at COP26? I think we all recognize that the biggest obstacle is figuring out how we're all going to live up to our commitments to arrive at net zero emissions by 2050. A senior Liberal source says a deal will be reached that will see the government raise the flag on federal buildings by Remembrance Day. Previously, during the campaign, he said that the flags would remain at half past until it's clear that Indigenous peoples are happy to raise them again, giving the impression to most people that Indigenous communities would have to give their consent to the federal government before those flags were raised. That is not the case, I've told. Ontario decides against mandatory vaccines for hospital workers. The concern that we had that we would lose some of our uh, precious health human resources compared to a relatively small number of outbreaks. And that's why the determination was made not to proceed with a mandatory policy at this time. It's Thursday, November the 4th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Good morning, John. Morning, Mark. So the Prime Minister is back in Canada. And he's, in fact, going to attend a memorial service for former Ontario Premier Bill Davis today. Um, but there are ministers of the government and other government officials who continue to participate in the COP26 conference in in Glasgow, in uh, a place you know well. Um, so uh, what do you think about where the direction of that of that uh, conference uh, and and Canada's role in it and and some of what the prime minister has said? And and do you think it was a successful trip overseas for Justin Trudeau? I do think it was a successful trip, actually. I think it was, um, you know, given the fact that Canada has a carbon tax that's rising to $170 a ton by 2030 in any case. And given the fact that the government has um, already said that it's going to cap oil and gas emissions and then see them fall, you know, those are going to be pretty disruptive to the Canadian economy. And, you know, I think that the fight over whether they're going to happen or not is over. And I think critics should, should keep up because that, those fight, you know, we can talk about the details of how the cap is, cap works. Uh, you know, even Jason Kenney is, uh, okay with the concept of a cap, which Rachel Motley brought in, the, the, the NDP government brought in, and the cap still exists. Now, they may argue about the level of the cap, and he will argue that there should be enough room that, it, that um, oil and gas can still grow. But these fights are essentially over. What is not over is what Trudeau was talking about this week. And that's the need to make a global carbon price. So that all this upheaval is not in vain. And that... Uh, that we don't simply see uh, competitors from other countries come in and undercut our companies that are burdened with a carbon carbon tax. Yeah. Or, or we don't see Canadian companies relocating to areas that do not have a carbon tax. I mean, essentially, all that does is beggar the Canadian economy, but it doesn't help emissions. You know, if we simply replace Canadian oil and gas with oil and gas from Venezuela or Nigeria or Saudi Arabia. That's not the goal here. So he made the case, uh, quite rightly, in Glasgow that um, that more countries should adopt a carbon price. And he was backed on, on the second day of the, the conference uh, at a, a, a panel he was co-hosting. The, the IMF and the World Bank are supporting that effort. And I think it's, it's uh, 
it's a natural thing for Canada to be to be leading because we uh, do have the, one of the most aggressive targets in the world, and I think it was the right thing to do. I'm less optimistic that that uh, countries, including the United States, are going to voluntarily adopt a carbon price. Right. But I think it, then it does start the conversation about a global effort, and I think that that's where where it needs to go. And I think where it will eventually go is not not in a a, a voluntary effort to adopt a carbon price, but in a uh, what they call a border tax adjustment. And the, the EU is already moving in this direction. The Americans are even talking about it, even though they don't have a carbon tax. And I think eventually, countries like Canada will, will just put up tariffs at the border. And if your good is not subject to a carbon type, carbon pricing in its home market, then it will be subject to a tax as it enters the country. It's going to be hard to administer, but at the end of the day, it means that you couldn't bring in for example, Venezuelan oil that is not subject to carbon tax uh, to undercut Canadian oil uh, without paying a premium. And I think that that's what uh, Trudeau was talking about. He, he, he used the example of, he said, we know that Canada produces some of the cleanest aluminum in the world. You know, We're competing with aluminum around the world that can be sold even at, at uh, cheaper prices because it's done in a dirtier way with significantly lower labour standards. I don't think that's the kind of world we want, where people who do the right things the right way are penalised, and people who do the wrong things the wrong way get advantages. I think he's absolutely right about that. All right. It's one week until Remembrance Day in Canada, and you have a story this morning about a possible solution that will allow the flags on government buildings, including the Peace Tower, to be lowered uh, to be raised uh, and then lowered for uh, for uh, to to honor our war dead. Um, the flags, of course, have been at half mast since the end of May, uh, in in recognition of uh, the lives lost in residential schools. Um, so, what are you hearing about that? Well, I'm told by by uh, senior sources that this is going to happen. That the government will raise the. The, the maple leaf of the federal building in time for them to be lowered to half-mast for remembrance. You know, Trudeau in Glasgow hinted at this. He said, I'm confident that conversations with Indigenous leadership on lowering the flag will come to the right solution. Well, it turns out the reason he was so confident is because the federal government has decided to do this. And, um, you know, previously during the campaign, he said that the flags would remain at half-mast until it's clear that Indigenous peoples are happy to raise them again giving the impression to most people that Indigenous communities would have to give their consent to the federal government before those flags were raised. That is not the case, I'm told. They're not seeking consent. They're they're currently telling people, like the Assembly of First Nations and the Survivor Circle of the National Centre for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, uh, so they're not blindsided. But it's not a consultative process. And I think that uh, Justin Trudeau was more than a little disingenuous by suggesting it would be. All right, we'll see what happens with that, and thank you for sharing uh, your news on that. Um, Yesterday, Doug Ford, the Ontario Premier, said that the government won't make COVID-19 vaccines mandatory for those working in health care. And there was a lot of reaction to that. Um, there, There are mandatory vaccines now, including for federal government employees. Uh, but but Ford said there was too much risk to patient care if vaccines were to be mandatory, saying the impact of the potential to partner, uh, departure of thousands of healthcare workers is weighed against the small number of outbreaks that are currently active on, in Ontario's 
hospitals. Um, what do you think about that decision? Well, I think it's practical and pragmatic. I mean, we far will have seen from other jurisdictions, including Quebec and uh, British Columbia. British Columbia, I think there were 3,300 healthcare workers who uh, who are on unpaid leave right now. You know, presumably, given the size of Ontario's economy, that, that, that number would be multiplied by a factor of two or three. So, you know, it's uh, it's hardly ideal, given the, the restrictions are going to be in place elsewhere, but, but uh, you know, given the fact we're still in a healthcare crisis, um, it kind of makes sense. It's, um, you know, we, we've seen the federal government has somewhere, you know, it's got 230,000 employees, 95% of them are are double vaxxed, that still leaves somewhere around 13,000. So even if you've got the vast majority uh, vaccinated, you're still going to be losing potentially thousands of people to uh, who, for whatever reason, won't or can't get vaccinated. So, you know, I I, um, I kind of sympathise with, with, with Ford, and I do think the fact that this has been so politicised, and, you know, it was politicised during the federal general election, primarily by Justin Trudeau, that this kind of hard line on mandatory vaccination, there must be more than one way to do this without uh, forcing people to choose between what they see as a, a principle, albeit misguided in my opinion, and, and their job. So I don't know how this resolves itself, but I think that when you've got potentially thousands of people who are in key healthcare positions who might choose to walk off the job, then, then pragmatism has to, uh, has to take precedence. I mean, we saw in British Columbia they were starting to cancel surgeries and stuff like that. So, so yeah. this is something that you can't really mess about with. Yeah, and I, I think... Quebec, it, Quebec reversed itself on the policy just because of human resource concerns. Yeah, and it, it's, it's an example of an issue that, that looks very straightforward on the surface, but, but, uh, and there are many issues like this, I think, during, <coughs> during COVID where, uh, where you have to look at the... For example, the decision about whether to have children in schools or at home um, there was, I think, in some cases oversimplified by people into assuming that, that one scenario was safe and the other was dangerous, as opposed to be, there being risks and consequences with either scenario, right? Right, right. There is more nuance to this, and we've got to a stage, unfortunately, where there is no room for nuance. Yeah. All right, John, great to have your insight on all of this today. Thank you. Okay, Mark, thank you. That's John Iveson of The National Post. We know there are many different approaches that uh, every country is going to have to take to reduce emissions. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne argues, how much we cut carbon emissions is less important than how we do it. Coyne writes, we are nowhere near our 2030 emissions target. And the likelihood is that between now and then, we are going to see wave after wave of new policies layered on top of existing and planned policies. The more that we rely on subsidies and regulations, the greater the hit to economic growth. How we address the climate crisis, in short, has critical implications for how we weather the demographic crisis. What target we choose matters far less than how we go about reaching it. In the National Observer, Andrew Perez considers the regional underrepresentation in the new cabinet. Perez writes, In spite of its many undisputed strengths, the new liberal cabinet does not adequately represent every region of the country and fails to showcase diverse voices within the caucus 
that would be more likely to challenge Justin Trudeau's blind spots in government. The Prime Minister may come to regret these unforced errors before too long. In the Toronto Star, Bob Hepburn argues the end of Doug Ford's time as Ontario Premier may be starting to unfold. Hepburn writes, With less than eight months before Ontario goes to the polls, it seems increasingly possible that enough people are fed up with Doug Ford's handling of the pandemic that the outcome on Election Day isn't all that hard to see. Barring major vote splitting between the NDP and Liberals, there's a good chance the Conservatives will lose the next election, something unthinkable in the pandemic's early days when Ford was riding high in popularity. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will attend a memorial service for former Ontario Premier Bill Davis. He will also visit a restaurant in Brampton, Ontario to Mark Diwali. Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson and Environment Minister Stephen Gilbeau continue to attend the COP26 conference in Glasgow. And International Trade Minister Mary Ng will make an announcement in Vancouver highlighting the Canadian Trade Commissioner's Services can export SME funding. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, November 4th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.